Hello guys, welcome to the Arsaholics. How's it going, Aaronin? Yeah, yeah. I was um I was feeling pretty down about life until I saw what um our co-host was up to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's go to Raj. Raj doesn't sound like it doesn't look like you're in uh, South London, mate. I'm in the Caribbean, lads. I might not have mentioned it before, but no, I'm first time here. Yeah, no, like I'm here. I landed on Friday. I landed just before kickoff, and I really, really wanted to watch the game. Um, but there was a massive queue at the airport. They were checking everyone's PCR tests and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I missed the whole game. But, you know, it feels like that was probably a good thing, considering how, like, ridiculously rubbish it sounds like we were. Yeah. Mice, for, um, for the podcast listeners who don't have the privilege of seeing Raj's oh. attire or lack of attire. Lack, yeah. lack of. Lack I think you should, dis- you should describe, you describe it to describe our it. listeners. Yeah, yeah. So Raj is... Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, Raj, why don't you describe it? You describe. Well, I haven't got any. To- I haven't got a top on. Um, so I've got a hat on. I've got sunglasses. Look, I'm in Antigua. I'm out of an all-inclusive resort. It's what's it? It's like four four p.m. Yeah, it's about it's like four twenty p.m. here. Um, the bar opened at ten thirty a.m. So I've been drinking for a while. Um, so I'm pretty I'm pretty hammered, listeners. To be honest, <laughs> I'm honestly I'm I'm pretty shattered, uh, I'm pretty shattered, pretty bad. And I'm drinking. I'm holding up my glass right now. It is um, some kind of rum cocktail. I think there's like some guava going on in there. Um, yeah, like and and basically, I uh, after this session, um, I, like I'm I'm going to apparently renew the vows of some couple um, who are who I agree, which I agreed to do in a drunken state yesterday um so uh yeah i mean it's just it's, to be honest it's all going on um and in that in all in, in all this time i've just not found time to find a t-shirt so i am topless during this show um you're wearing only are you naked yeah. and um a little bit drunk wasted you're also haven't seen the game i haven't seen the game i'm not adding much value to this <laughs> so we can uh, but no, the thing yeah, is, like, i feel like great analysis from you today i feel like i am going to be able to provide some kind of perspective because the thing is like genuinely like, so i've not seen the game but i was at the airport like refreshing 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 so anxious and seeing you guys message like kind of you know little comments or whatever and seeing on twitter i mean you guys expand i mean what i saw from your messages and from twitter was just this was an absolute car crash yeah yeah i think that's fairly accurate wouldn't I mean, you say boys? yeah i mean look i wasn't confident going into the game i predicted a draw and I think, I think I was being slightly optimistic when I predicted that draw, and I, I think a lot of us could see this coming. Like I know you guys predicted wins, but I don't know how confident you actually were of that happening. And um, it was very similar to performances we've seen from Arsenal, start of you know first half of last season, and, and prior to that, um, so many things wrong, um, kind of all the same issues that we've seen before. Um, a lot of things that we've clearly identified as problems that we knew we were going to have if we didn't do what we needed to do in the transfer market. <clears throat> the concern I've got, and I think because it's been a couple of days since we played, right, um, it's probably worth us kind of skipping all of the, or maybe we could talk about it later, but, you know, skipping all of the kind of like in terms of, in terms of match specifics and what happened. And uh, I wanted to kind of just talk, talk straight, talk about 
um, what's actually going to happen in going forward in terms of Arteta, in terms of this group of players? Because, I mean, yeah, there were just so so many things wrong. And I wonder, and I'm sure a lot of Arsenal fans are wondering, you guys must be wondering, kind of where we're going to be, let's say, October time, you know, end of September, October time after the international breaks. Because when I was watching that game on Friday, it was it was pretty damning on Arteta um, in terms of a lot of the problems that we had last season don't seem to have been fixed. I know it's only one game, but, you know, you've got to take into account, although it was a kind of hostile, not hostile, a tough atmosphere and, you know, Brentwood for well up, were well up for it and, you know, fans were back and all of these things that were kind of against us. Despite all of that, this team just didn't turn up again. They just didn't turn up again. And <clears throat> it was lack of urgency. It was passive. And, you know, a lot of that now has to come down to Arteta. Like, when you go and spend £50 million on the centre-back, a new central midfielder started. Uh, I, I just, I feel like... I don't know. I just feel like the the the, the he's under he's under serious pressure now, and, and I'm concerned as to where this team is going under Arteta because, like I said, a lot of the problems that we've seen before haven't really been sorted in the summer based on that last game. Um, and yeah, I was keen to start the conversation off really with just by understanding, like you know, what do you guys think in terms of Arteta's future not even his future but where like where does where does this defeat leave him because we've been talking about it right on on whatsapp but you know another couple of defeats and it's massive massive pressure it's not just you know okay you know he can turn this around it's almost like yeah he's on the verge of he's probably on the verge of being sacked he's the favorite the bookies favorite to be sacked now um and he was third or fourth favorite at the start of the season well basically two three days ago so um, yeah, I'm just I'm just massively concerned. Defensive issues, mistakes, um, and going forward again, you know, it's that lack of creativity. Um, I know we were missing Abamian and Lacazette, but I'm not really sure how much of a difference they would have made. Like Balogun didn't really get much of a sniff. Um, I'm not sure how much Abamian would have made a difference in a game like yesterday. And yeah, just like you said, Raj, just there's a bit of a calamity, really. All sorts of things wrong and. We could pick it apart, but I'm, I'm more interested in kind of what's going to happen from now and where does Arteta go? Well, putting the question back to you guys, obviously, as not watching the game, when I looked at the team and I saw that it felt like at the 11th hour, something really bizarre must have happened with regards to Lacazette and Aubameyang. Um, you know, both out of the team, almost at the last minute. Eddie, I'm not, it sounds like he got injured. Uh, so from, from watching the game, how much do you think that, was it that we were just genuinely affected by the almost random, very kind of um, last minute absence of those three players? It has to have had an effect. You can't. Ultimately, we ended up playing Balogun, and that was his first ever Premier League start, his first ever Premier League minutes that he's had. Um, we played Martinelli, who's just come back from Japan. Um, and then, yeah, so that. That has to have had an effect. Um, I was when I first saw the team news. I mean, this probably s- says more about the two players that um, are sick. And it sounds like it's probably COVID. Well, I'm reading between the lines. It sounds like they've got COVID, but who knows? Um, when I first heard, I was actually like, "Oh, well, this isn't actually the biggest loss in the world because 
we get to see Balogun, we get to see Martinelli um, or whoever, and it it was new and different. And I think that's the that's the reason that I'm frustrated, and I think a lot of people are frustrated as well. Over the summer, we were promised a radical overhaul of the team. We promised investment, which, to be fair, we have seen from a financial point of view investment because we've spent over 100 million this summer or so. But we were promised something new, something different, and it was a recognition that last season, because of COVID and mistakes were made at the start of the first half of that season, we finished eighth. That wasn't acceptable. And the club had all summer to prepare for this game. We knew, everyone knew what the atmosphere would be like. Everyone knew what, how Brentford would play. They, they haven't really changed their team significantly over the summer. You know, the atmosphere, Raj, you, you weren't there. You didn't watch the game. But if you imagine, it's probably exactly in your head. It took, it, it, the game worked out exactly in your head, as you can imagine it too, because Brentford played as you would imagine them too, full of energy. Their crowd were well up for it. And we played as you could imagine us playing which is with not much intensity, um, the same tactics which we've seen have very limited effectiveness. And I think that was a frustration is that, you know, when we promised something new, what we got was very much more of the same. And if Arteta knows that last season wasn't good enough, he knew he had to do something different. He's had the summer alongside Edu and Vinay and whoever else was in charge to do something different. Yeah, what we get is Granite Xhaka leading the team out. We get the same sort of football. We get the same sort of problems. And we can go through the squad, but, you know, all throughout the pitch in goal, in defence, midfield, and attack probably wasn't... The the, the attackers on the pitch weren't the problem as such, um, but the attack, the way we attacked, was all sorts of... We've been here before. This is the same. And that's not a feeling you want in the first game of the season you want something new something to get excited about you want hope and like like my said that when we at full time it left everyone feeling okay where do we go from here what is this season actually going to be like it's just going to be quite painful and it's really really hard and we're, we're probably quite optimistic fans i think the three of us but it's really really hard to take positives from what we saw Coupled with, I don't know if, if you watch preseason, but a very, very poor preseason as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it just continued on from there. Aaron, I was just going to ask you a question, or just on one of the points you made, right? Um, so you mentioned about Bami and Lacazette, and they are big misses, obviously, right? They, they obviously are big misses. I, I, and I think I touched on it. Like, I'm not. <laughs> it has an effect, it has an impact. But do you think if you put a Bamiang. Ahead, if you put a Bamiyan into that team that started instead of Balogun, for example, do you think the results any different? I, I actually do, and initially I don't. Put it this way: it's. I think we would have had more of a chance. However, I've seen yeah. this Arsenal team with Lacazette with the Bamiyan put similar performances in. So yeah. you, it's it's one of those. However, you look at Balogun; he really, really struggled, um, and you know. Fair play to him, it's his first start, but he got knocked about quite a bit. Um, and it looked like a yeah. young player making their first Premier League. But it wasn't, it wasn't a game where, I know we had like 22 shots, but I think it was a very small number. Actually, I'm talking actually good chances. It was a very small number. And it wasn't a game where 
there were that many clear-cut chances. We had that many openings where you'd say a Bamiang would have gotten to the end of something. And like, I completely agree. It would have had an, had an effect. I don't want to labour on the point too much, but I just... I don't know. I think there's so many other things wrong that missing those two players. I think Lacazette is a bigger miss than Aubameyang because of probably what Lacazette offers in terms of dropping deep and he can play as a number 10 and we obviously don't have a number 10 at the moment apart from what Smith Rowe is doing and all the rest of it, all the conversations we've everyone's had before. But um, yeah, like I completely agree with you. Balogun was almost thrown into the deep end a bit too early um, and we struggled, and he struggled as a result. But I don't think the result would have been different if you'd have put Aubameyang yeah, into that. I can see us dropping that exact same performance with both yeah, guys in the team. Yeah. However, I just, if you look at it, and I'm, I feel like I'm making excuses, but I'm not, but we, ha- we didn't have a Bamiyang, we didn't have Lacazette, we didn't have Partey, we didn't have Gabriel. I don't know if anyone else was missing. And that's quite a key, mm-hmm. like the whole spine of the team, to a certain extent, was, was weaker. So that's no excuse. I still think the team we put out probably should have enough to beat um, Brentford but it, you add those four or five players back in and we at least make more of a game of it and I, su- I suppose um, that he knew that party was injured so we would have prepared accordingly yeah. um, but I guess what we don't know and what we might never know is how exactly last minute was this Oba and lacquer kind of illness. I, well, apparently, I, he was in tra- training on Thursday. I, I do not believe that they're both. Yeah, agreed. I mean, look, if it's COVID, then uh, wouldn't they have to declare I, that? I don't know. Like, so I, and surely there would be other players thing, that would have right? to isolate or whatever. Like, so Runison, apparently, Runison's also out. But I just no. feel like this is this is kind of like when a Bamming was late for the uh, North London derby and kind of the Urzel situation. I don't want to go into all of this, Gwenduzi. There's loads of players where Arteta's clearly shown he's, you know, it's either my way or piss off, basically. And I, I just get the feeling there's something else that's happened. I agree with so you. It just, it, it just seems quite, like, it's very weird. And even when Arteta was asked about it pre-match on Sky Sports, he was like, the words he used were something like, they're unwell. That's all I can say. I can't that's say it. Can say. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, if it was COVID, you would just, why would you, I, why would you open it? Why would you allow their... Why would you allow the fans and the media and everyone, or the media aren't really talking about it, it's probably the fans, to even have that question in their heads as to what else has happened if it's something, so, if it is COVID or isn't COVID? Do you know what two, I mean? Two things. So one, I think we've, with COVID, I think we've, we've in the past been quite limited about what we disclose about which players have got COVID. Okay. Because obviously it's health. And the other reason I think it's COVID is because I, I can't remember if it was Chris Wheatley or one of the journalists said that they're both going to be out for Chelsea. Um, so if, Mm. so I I kind of like the only way, you know, that someone's going to be ill in a week's time is if it's COVID. Mm. That's if you believe that Um, they're ill though, mate. And it's not a disciplinary thing. I don't know. Because I think Arteta is really, I think Arteta seems like the kind of manager who is happy, not happy, but he's willing to almost lay down the law, even if it means half the first team don't play. Yeah. And we suffer as a result, mm-hmm. as long as he's laying down the law and he's setting that example and he's almost telling the rest of the squad, if you guys do this, then you're not going to play either. I think he's that, what's the word, uh, that much of a yeah, dis- yeah, disciplinarian. I don't know. Or... I think, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he is. Mm. I just think in this, do you remember like last season where there were people speculating that Bamiang had some issue and then it turned out that he basically had malaria? Mm-hmm. And there was a period where he was missing 
and then retrospectively we found out he had malaria or something like that um i put it this way i until we know or we hear more i'm fairly confident they're out with some kind of covid related okay incident yeah. but i mean it's possible it's possible i i i'm gonna lean towards what i think maybe mice is hypothesizing I, I, I just can't believe aaron and that at the 11th hour these two guys have both randomly tested positive for covid both, or like, both of them as both well, them I mean. you know what i mean and like I, I think there's something fishier about it and i think the way that it's possible yeah i, I don't i know it's not good whatever whatever it is it's mm. it's really not good um you know like so I hope it's genuine. I hope that they both genuinely rocked up and like, yeah, boss, we're really ill. We're genuinely ill. Like, it's, you know, I, I hope that's the thing. But come on, it's such a, it's such a coincidence. It just feels, it just feels right. And, and, and then I sort of think that like maybe at the 11th hour, if you're missing two of those players and you've got a bunch of players who have to come in, who probably, you know, Martinelli's, he's probably still, still, kind of coming off the euphoria of winning an Olympic gold medal, like, you know, not, not that long ago, you know, your Saka is not ready yet. Um, you know, Balogun probably had no bloody idea, no, no, no inclination that he was going to get minutes. Um, and, and I wonder if it was just a complete, you know, just lack of preparation in the lineup that, yeah. that ended up starting. You, so ultimately, I think, I don't think you can say adding Aubameyang and Lacazette into this that 11 wouldn't have made us better because undoubtedly it would have. Mm. Would it have been enough? I don't know. Um, would we have maybe created one more chance? Because ultimately, in the league, it's not really about kind of how well you play nowadays. I feel like it's very much about who makes the least amount of mistakes defending and who takes their chances and can finish in the penalty box. So that's what most games are nowadays. Um, and you know, we were, there were periods of play where we were probably better than they were moving the ball around, but we made two defensive errors. They didn't really make any. And when we got in the box and we couldn't even really get into the box, but when we did get in the box, we didn't do anywhere near enough. Hmm. You mentioned, or you touched on the, the defensive mistakes. I mean, look, the first goal, <clears throat> you, <clears throat> yourself and me and you, Aaron, and had a long yeah. chat about this one. Um, it was really at fault. I've, I think I've, I've actually watched it a few times since it happened, like over the weekend. And I, I so I was very much, you know, this that was Cannon, Ch- Cannon Chambers' mistake in terms of yes, he's kind of late getting to the player. Canas is it? Canas who's got who scores something like that. Can- Canos. Canos. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's quite um, funny because I kept thinking they were saying Thanos. <laughs> and in oh, that case it was inevitable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i mean he I, I still feel like he could have done more like he just yeah. he, he he just like i said he doesn't really engage and ideally you want your defender there to show him down the line try to show him down the line he doesn't really do that and he kind of stands off him and he allows him to shoot the shot is very very good and i was defending leno a lot like during the game or on that particular incident, I think watching it back, he maybe, I don't know. It's a hard one. It's kind of like, yeah, it's I, like you know, the, you know, the Pepe chance in the second half where I think Smith throw a sack and pulls it back and he hits it first time. And he hits an amazing shot first time in his left foot. Yep. And Raya gets down really, you know, he gets down really quickly. He saves it. And I know he's completely sighted as opposed to Leno being a little bit unsighted where there's defenders in front of him. 
So maybe it's a bit trickier, but it's one of those where he could, I don't know, he maybe can get down a bit quicker, but it's a really good shot. So I just feel like Chambers could have done it. I think, more. yeah, no, I'm with you. I think my, my ultimate conclusion is with that, I think a top right back doesn't let that happen. Yeah. And, but also a top goalkeeper probably saves it too. In that, so it's both. I mean, like, it's, I think, yeah, you're right. If that, if we had an elite level right back, they get, they either get to, so I think my argument was Chambers was probably struggling to get there. And when he got there, he was just completely out of position or wasn't. If it happens on the other side, do you think Tierney would stop it? I don't know. I mean, it's no, I don't don't think Tierney gets there quick. I don't know. I mean, either way, I think it's a struggle, but then I think maybe a quicker right back maybe gets there. And then a quicker right back probably just has that composure to either just delay him for that split second longer to make him, to give Leno a better chance of saving it. But I do think a top level goalkeeper also probably keeps that out. I'm like, it has to be, it would be, it would have been a very good save if he had saved it. It would have been a very, very good save, I think. Yeah. Ultimately, the best keepers make top saves like that as well. And I think there's a wider just, discussion just, we can have about Leno because yeah. I think wherever Leno is in his, yeah, I don't know what's going on. It sounds, it sounds like something is going on at Arsenal with our goalkeeper. Um, and I think a Leno on top form probably makes that save, but Leno isn't on form at the moment. I don't think he's been for a while. Um, yeah, we could have that discussion, couldn't we? But I mean, let's, talk, let's talk about the second yeah. goal as well. Because again, defensive mistakes, probably more so. Um, and again, Aaron and you and I were having this big debate about should it have been given as a foul against Leno or not? Um, I was kind of of the view that he is probably fouling him. I'm not denying that. But my point was that happens... I feel that happens. That kind of holding, grappling, you know, doing it behind your back or doing it behind, you know, where the referee can't see, whatever. All that kind of stuff happens in and around the box, like from corners, from set pieces, pretty much every game. I think it happens less now than it did, say, like 10 years ago because of VAR, because of, you know, referees are watching out for it, um, especially from corners. But it still happens. And I think it's almost like Leno just allows it to happen. And that's my frustration. Like he allows himself to be bullied. And again, it's this whole thing about like the mentality and it's you know the the kind of the leadership thing where why are you allowing you know why are you allowing you know you know that's probably going to happen and you know you're in a dangerous situation the ball's coming into the box the defenders haven't cleared it and you're not really like he didn't do anything he didn't even try to push him off i'm not saying be aggressive in the sense foul him but you should be more aggressive to push him away from you or whatever and he doesn't do anything. Leno just kind of allows himself to be held. And then the balls, you know, go, comes across, it bounces. And then you know, defenders are poor as well. But I'm not blaming Leno for it in that sense. I don't think the goal, the, the reason the goal goes in isn't necessarily down to him. It's down to a number of things just not happening in terms of uh, us defending it well. But yep. yeah, I just, I don't know. We, yeah. had, we had that debate, right? I Yeah, so I do think it was a foul, but I think you're also right in, in that um, Leno, yeah, but Leno shouldn't really let that happen to him. So he could have done a couple of things. So he probably could have pushed him off. Although, yeah, and I, I just think Leno generally isn't the most dominating keeper no, in the box not. He's like not. that. Um, or he could have just gone down. Like, it's a risky one, isn't it? If you go down, you're, 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 you're. But I think, 
generally like the if, the, like, if yeah but if your keeper goes down there referees blow down there yeah they normally blow referee, they do, they do. Referee, yeah, that's referee. what i'm saying it was quite naive yeah. on his part I it was very naive yeah. um that said it would have been nice if the referee had spotted it and done us a favor but you know you're right sometimes it gets given sometimes it doesn't mm. um but yeah i i also thought it was actually a very very good set set piece by brentford because the way if you because i watched it so many times trying to work out if it was a foul or not but what the guy who was in front of Leno holding him, um, he moves in front of Leno really, really late because he's standing outside yeah, and it's got ages it. of yeah, space. Right, yeah. And then he goes on top of him basically very, very late, almost as soon as the throws come in. And that had to happen. And then the throw had to be perfectly in, in position <clears throat> to block off Leno because if that throw is slightly wider, then another defender clears it. So it's a really good throw. It's really good movement. Um, but ultimately, we should have been prepared for it. And the way I mean, it went in, yeah. it just looks so amateur. I mean, Tierney's, um, he's been doubled up at the back. So I don't know who it yeah. was. Is it Xhaka? I, can't, I don't want to, I'm not pointing the finger at Xhaka because I can't actually remember. But there was, a, there was obviously, there was, we were marking the guy, the, the two guys at the back post. And Tierney ends up having to sort of deal with both of them and gets absolutely nowhere near either. Um, but yeah, it's just... It's just yeah. really sloppy, and, and they, you know, if the balls, if they, if the balls had enough time to travel into the box and bounce, someone's just got to come in there and clean it, clean it up, and just yeah. deal with it. And if you look at certain other teams in the Premier League, don't don't, don't even have to be the best teams, but you know, centre backs that just scream at their the players around them in the box to like do something with it, or they just go in there and stick everything, like stick their head, stick their body in the way to get it out. Like, there's no one in our team that's willing to do that generally. Like there probably are on occasion, but if you go across the season, it just, you know, and it's, it's just really, this is, I mean, it comes back to the original thing. We're going full circle, but it's just really worrying that, you know, first game of the season, that's the kind of goals that goal that we've conceded. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I agree with the first part and that a top team with top defenders should be dealing with that. Actually, I wasn't, too annoyed with the defending in this game and i think it was annoying because if you're watching on sky jamie carragher was just yeah he was being an idiot basically saying this is typical arsenal they don't know how to defend when all the stats show actually we had one of the better defenses in the league last season um so we do know how to defend and we have been defending set plays very very well over the last couple of years i think and we as a defensive team have been okay. The only, but we do make mistakes, mm. but mistakes happen. All defenders and all teams do make defensive mistakes. So that, that kind of annoyed me because I don't think the story of the game was our poor defensive mistakes. Cause the first one, yeah, it was a defensive mistake, but it was also a very good finish. The second one was a very well executed set play, albeit the way it went in looked very amateur. What I was really annoyed about was the other end of the pitch, mm. which was, we were just so ineffective in attack. We apparently created like 20 chances and had created the most amount of chances we have without scoring. Was shots, but, wasn't it? It's like 22. Yeah, something like something. that. But they were all, except that one, that Pepe one at the end, they were all so ineffective, so weak. And the way we build up our attacks was just so one-dimensional. It just seemed like the only way we were trying to score was by getting... Tierney in behind and then hoping yeah. he could deliver well and he yeah. you know although I think he played well his his ultimate deliveries weren't great well yeah I mean I completely agree and it, it's an obvious 
it's a tactic that makes sense, but it's not like we have the player. You know, we're not getting the right. We're not getting the player number right number of players into the box, and we probably don't have yep. the right personnel for that sort of tactic to work. If you're going to try that throughout the game, I mean, yeah. just to touch, yeah, on your, touch on your point, um, Aaron, and about like you know the attacking phase or the attacking side of the game is what disappointed you the most. I mean, I, I, I complete. I agree. I do agree, and it's kind of like where. I think well, someone said it in our WhatsApp group. Might might have been you, Aaron, but like it's just not fun anymore watching us. <laughs> mm, like yeah. generally, if you take it across the course of a season, we're it's not it's not fun anymore. We might get the odd like really really good win, or you know we bang three or four past team. I don't even know if that happens that much anymore. But um, yeah, it's just that, like what yeah. are we watching in terms of attacking play? As in, when I say attacking play, I mean um, you know pass and move. Um, you know, one twos, um, players taking a chance. Like the only play that players that really take a chance, Saka came on, he does it, Smith Rowe does it, and Pepe is probably the only players that really kind of look forward. There was, there was, a, I, I tweeted it and a few other people tweeted it, but there was a still, uh, you probably spotted it during the game, there was a still of um, a passage of play. We had the ball. Um, Xhaka picks it up and he's probably like 40, 50 yards from goal, 40 yards from goal. And they pause it at the point where he has the decision of who to pass to. And I think it's Pepe who's basically through, through on goal if he chooses to make that pass. And he's got the very safe pass of going out to Tierney left. And the pass through on goal to Pepe is not a difficult pass. I think it was Martinelli that was in mm. goal. Yeah, yeah. In oh, Martinelli, sorry. Martinelli, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Martinelli, yeah, yeah. And he goes out to Tierney. And I appreciate yeah, yeah. that's the tactic and that's maybe what Arteta's telling him to do. But it's kind of like... Oh my god! Like, do you know what I mean? Like an Urzil, this, yeah, this uh, is what, uh, uh, whatever. This I'm not is what frustrates me. What what is the what is the attack? Like, what does Arteta want from this attack? Well, just, just, like, what is he? Is I'm that just to yeah, I think I saw a stat where I think Martinelli and Tierney passed to each other three times during the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So actually, was pretty anonymous. To be fair, I'm not blaming him, but he was he was pretty quiet throughout the game. So, um, Lewis, I think it's Lewis Ambrose and Arsblog did a really good article on Sunday basically saying that the key to getting the best out of Tierney is to have someone who can draw defenders so go out wide but then also draw defenders away so that Tierney has the space to run into but basically analyzing that when Martinelli was on the pitch they were either way too close to each other or way too apart from each other and the link up just didn't work whereas when Saka came on he really like allowed Tierney to get into really good territory. Um, so, but then, you know, Martinelli is capable of just staying out wide if he needs to, but it seemed like the instruction was for Martinelli to drift inside and Balogun to drop a bit deeper. Mm. And that just didn't work for 60, 65 minutes. And then we took Martinelli off. Um, so well, that's what, that's why I'm a bit concerned, which is why, like, what is, what are the attacking plays that Arteta wants us to do and is this what he really wants us to do and is this how he wants us to attack and are we just not executing it well because actually then I do have concerns because we could all see that this isn't a successful blueprint for winning matches um, but then the other half of me thinks is Arteta just trying to implement something that is so far ahead of what our players are capable of like is he trying to implement Man City um, like positions of play, like positional play, and like 
like the the types of interchange that Man City can play, but are trying to do it with so many players that just aren't suited to that. But, I mean, type it's of almost football. been it's almost been two years, right? So if that's if that's what the plan is. Surely he, you know, he can identify, he would have identified by now that it's just not going to work with this group of players. Like I would like to think that he would have realized that and tried something different. Like, I mean, it's his job uh, on the line at the end of the day. It's his reputation. It's his first managerial job, all of that. I don't see why he would persist with something. I I do, I get what what you're saying. Um, But I don't know. It's not like he's just like this is his first ever game, or he's only been there for six months. It's, it's been what well, it is almost two years, right? It'll be two years in yeah. November, or whatever. So I don't know. That would I'd be very surprised if if he's if that's his mentality. It just feels very like theoretical when we when we attack, in that mm. the players are being coached. Like in an ideal world, you you move this defender here, this, the, you know, the fullback goes out wide, someone makes a run, you cross and you score, and that's great. But A, we don't have the players capable of that. B, we, you know, it doesn't seem, that's not the only way you score goals, but it just seems like the team are being coached that way, and that's what really concerns me, is that this, you know, like you said, it's been, it's been two years, mm. and for whatever reason, this attack isn't working. And at the same time, the defenders are also making silly mistakes at the back and we're losing games. Um, and what worries me is, is that how does that change? Mm. I mean, there's, there's two ways it changes. Either the manager changes tactics and does something different, or we get the players needed to play that type of football. And both right now seem incredibly unlikely to happen in the next two. And here's where I worry about, like, you know, I think we all want, we all desperately want Arteta to succeed. You know, I think we all are, yeah. you know, really, we're not Arteta out people, not anyone out people. We, right. we want, we want whoever's the manager to be successful. And, you know, when I, if you look at what happened in the French league this weekend, and you had Gaultier who managed Lille and won the title with Lille, you know, beating all the expectations. And he's mm. gone to Nice and he's now Nice manager. Nice have just played Lille, the champions, and he's beaten them 4-0 away with Nice, who are a middle table team. And, and sometimes you look at that, I look at that and I go, are, are we expecting too much from a guy who, who, who's, who's just not experienced enough to understand how to adapt to a different set of players? And he's, he's, he's used to the Man City collegiate um, yeah, he wasn't manager of Man City, but he's used to that quality of, of player. And do we need a manager who is capable and proven of taking a bunch of players who might not be the top level players yet and getting a lot out of that? And mm. if you look at Gaultier and what he just did, you know, battering the battering his team four nil away, you know, uh, in such a short space of time, you know, I, I, I wonder. Um, uh, this big, I mean, Arteta has to now, he's got nowhere to hide anymore, right? Like him and Edu have been working on transfer strategy for how many, four windows now. Um, you know, we've not signed an attacking player. Uh, we, you know, we've, we had Willian for, on a free. We've had um, Odegaard on loan. We had Ceballos on loan. That's as far as our attacking kind of signings have gone. We are opening day of this season. You know, we, we lost 2-0. It, it's time... He's really, he's really got to do some soul searching and really figure out whether he can 
do this. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, no manager's going to go and say, hey, listen, by the way, I resign. I'm not good enough to do this. But I think, you know, I think like, like you guys are alluding to, um, can he do what he's trying to do with this group of players or does he need to change? Yeah. I mean, I was just going to ask on that. How long do you think he's going to be given? Like fixtures coming up at Chelsea, at home, City away. In between that, we've got a League Cup game. Um, Norwich at home, Burnley away, Spurs at home. Um, and then we go into October. So Brighton away. I mean, and then I think there's a couple of international breaks in there as well. How many game or how, not how, not so much how many games, but you know, like in terms of those five or six games, what 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 would what would need to happen? I say I'm not saying I want him to be sacked. What would have to happen in order for him to be sacked? I'm not saying that that's what I want, but you know what I mean. Like, what's mm. the scenario that would play out in order? I I think heavy defeats to either Man City or Chelsea, followed by defeat to Tottenham at home, would be so the end. Even if he so won the two games in between the um, yeah the winnable games. I think it all comes down to Tottenham. Um, because I saw Tottenham today and I look at their team, although they won, they've got one really, really good player in Human Son, and let's forget about Kane for a second. I look at their their players, I think individually as players, they look they're not better than us. Mm. Um but and if a team like that can come to the Emirates and outplay us, then they looked like a team much... today though, didn't they? Exactly, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um so if if um, Nuno Espirito Sancho can get the mo- like get a better team performance out of, in my opinion, a far, far worse bunch of players than Arteta can, having been here for almost two years longer, when we're at home. And I think if we lose to Spurs, that is a big, big concern. Mm-hmm. Um, unless we've somehow managed to beat Man City. Like, let's, if we beat Chelsea, we beat Man City, we beat Norwich, we beat Burnley, and then we lose to Spurs 1-0, then yeah. like, that's fine. Yeah. But... If we lose to Chelsea, we lose to Man City, and let's assume we we scrape wins against is it Norwich and Burnley, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go and lose to Spurs. I think the fans will turn. Like a lot of a lot have turned, but like the home fans in attendance will turn. And I think uh, Nuno's laid down the gauntlet in some way because yeah, I think as Arsenal fans, we're quite forgiving, right? When Arsenal play a team that is on paper, like, you know, a better team than us, we're quite like, oh, yeah, yeah. but Ch- it's Chelsea. Oh, it's Man City. We weren't meant to beat them. And, you know, Nuno's come in with Tottenham without Harry Kane, and he's just, you know, he's just won again. He's, he's just beaten Man City. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, they always seem to get very fortunate against City because City always seem to dominate and Spurs always seem to win. Um but I don't think I think we should be finishing above Spurs this season mm. comfortably. I guess my point is, um, mate, is like if we lo- if we you know if we lose to City and Chelsea, I'm sure a lot of us as faithful Arsenal fans will be like, oh, it's it's City and it's Chelsea. They're really good. They're so much better than us. Uh, but at some point, you know, we probably have to turn around and go, no, like it's not. It's still you know first three games of the season and and not getting a win against any of these three teams. That's just not good enough. If- Oh, yeah, I, oh, but I don't. I, I agree. It's not good enough. But I don't think he'll be sat. If we if we get if we get there's no chance. I mean, we're going to get. But this, even if we lose five nil both games, that's what I, I don't ask you. We'll, 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 I don't think we will sack him. Um, I think because I mean, Conte is available, I I'd be really surprised if the Arsenal board. I know it's not typical of us to go out and get like this like big box office manager on big wages. And, you know, you know, we know that Conte might come in and he might say, like, you know, 
I I want serious investment or whatever. But I, I'd just be really surprised with a manager like but, available. Like you say that, yeah. But actually, like we have, yeah, I know, agreed. That's what the last. That's what, yeah. But if if you tell Conte, we'll give you a hundred million, like we've given Arteta, I I think he'll be okay with that. Yeah, agreed. Um, but I don't. But I don't think this structure will sack Arteta after three games and. I, I'm kind of with, with him on that. Like, if we probably will lose to Chelsea, we probably will lose to Man City because they are considerably better than us. But they are ultimately they're they're super clubs that spend considerable more money. Um, so I don't think you can judge. Well, mate, you say that. I mean, look, I agree. City, hundred percent, and even Chelsea. You go probably back ten years and compare them, compare their spending to ours. Yes, but if you look at this summer, I mean, I don't. Obviously, Lukaku, right? Fine, 100 million. But they're offsetting that with, what, 40-odd million for Abraham. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know who, who, who else they bought this summer. I can't even remember. remember. Have they bought anyone else? Um, I'm not sure, but... I don't think they have. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'm just saying, we it's like you said, we have spent this summer, right? We spent big. We spent pretty big. And we're looking at Erdegaard, 30, 40, 50 million. We're looking at other players as well. Um, so we're still likely to spend more and there probably will be outgoing so net spend and all of that i know it's not going to be what we um what we thought it was going to be or what we think but i i don't know i just i i agree with you they are they are these kind of like mega rich clubs with money being pumped in but at the same time you know i'm not going like we're going on sunday right with myself and and you aaron and i'm not yeah going into that game thinking yeah we're definitely going to lose i'm quite i'm i'm hopeful that they'll turn up based on they will turn up having played so badly on Friday and it's first time in front of a full Emirates for the first, you know, for the first time or however long it's been, 18 months or whatever. And they, they, they need to put in a performance. They, they need to get a result. Um, I'm not resigning to the fact that, you know, Chelsea are miles above us. So therefore they're just going to win the city game slightly different, even though they lost today because City are miles above us, you know. They've been the champions like three of the last four seasons, and you know they just they are they they they're so far ahead of us. It's un, it's unreal. But Chelsea weren't last season, you know. Even if they, even if they have added Lukaku, they weren't in terms of points anyway. They weren't miles ahead of us. So I'm kind of and we beat them twice last season. I know that doesn't necessarily mean anything for for Sunday, but you know I kind of go into that game with a little bit of optimism and a little bit of hope. Gents, I'm going to let you guys wrap up. I um cool. you know drunkenly agreed to officiate a wedding now. So um I'm gonna I'm gonna run. Um all right. Well before you go, yeah, what's go your on. prediction for Sunday? Oh mate, I mean just are you, are you, you know watching? what? Uh well, I'll be at a wedding. So I'll be back in the UK, but I'll be at a wedding. Um Oh right, you're back. Yeah, yeah, I'm back, I'm back. I'm flying back in on Saturday. Um and so I do you know what? When we played Chelsea at home last time, it was, we were going through a terrible patch, and we see, you know, yeah, and, and and like we pull out a great result. So I'm not going to say that's going to happen. I just look instinctively. You might think I'm going to be fucking stupid thing to say. I think we're going to win two one. Hmm? I, I know there's I there's very little rationale. I I, I I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say we're going to win two one. All right. Talk to you guys later. Fingers crossed. All right, mate. All right. Good trip. Bye, guys. Your party. Bye, bye. Take care, man. Mate, this is a first. Two of us. Two of us. What do we do? I don't know. It's it's (laughs) weird. It's really weird. Um, 
Yeah, no, I look, I mean, I get, I, yeah, I know, I know what you were saying. I, could, can you just imagine, though, if in two games' time we're sitting on zero points, probably a really, really bad goal difference? That's fairly likely. It's like, I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I, I don't think we'll, I don't know. I'm, I don't think we'll lose on Sunday. I just think, despite all the, all the kind of negative things I've said and we not negative things, but you know what I mean? Like all the kind of criticism we throw at these players and this team and Arteta's kind of, you know, we're questioning Arteta. I just feel like, yeah. you know, like I said, first home game, like we, we, we the Brighton game was a home game with fans, but you know, full capacity, London Derby, you know, it's a kind of, there's a rivalry there with Chelsea, all the rest of it. It's a big game. I'm hopeful, maybe, maybe being a bit silly, but also hopeful that they will, put in the performance like they did quite a bit last season in some of the bigger games they did do that last season these players I don't know I was <laughs> yeah I was just hopeful on uh on Friday I was like well but all summer you know yeah, it's I not know. a COVID season but mate was um, that hopeful in terms of just I don't I know we've talked about Brentford the Brentford game but was that hopeful just because it was a new season as opposed to like it was hopeful as a new season but also they're a promoted team hmm. we're the fifth or sixth richest club in the country <laughs> that's close um but, yeah. we're about just about the eighth best team in the league all season but yeah I don't, I don't, in terms of about wages i think we're probably we spend the yeah. fifth we should be finishing fifth with the fifth we pay the fifth highest wages probably even the fourth highest wage so it wouldn't surprise me yeah we should be we should be aiming to be the fifth best team in this country at least um but so we should be going to places like brentford and and putting them away um yeah, yeah. No. But, it says enough about how low our expectations have fallen that we deep down weren't too surprised by this. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, um, I was quite, I was just quite frustrated and I think, but to go back to your point, I don't think anyone at Arsenal has the bottle to sack Arteta after three games. Even if we get spanked like, yeah, five, I mean, if we get spanked five nil, then the fan pressure will be unbearable. Hmm. but I think we then go into international break. It depends what happens in the window. Yeah. I think yeah. if we get someone like Erdegaard in, we get, I think we really need another attacking player and a right back, which hmm. seem very, very difficult. And a backup. Um, right? and, and a goalkeeper, but backup or even a first team goalkeeper. Actually. <laughs> um, we it's just so crazy how much work we have to do left in the season in the window. It's like what you said, um, right? Sorry to interrupt. But it's like what you said that you thought that things would go a little bit quiet. You know, we get the signings that we knew we could get done at the start of the window. Things will go a bit quiet, and then last week or two, it'll be a bit. It'll be crazy, and that's yeah. essentially what is going to hopefully going to happen. And if that happens, then I, I, you know, I'm willing to accept the the kind of trade-off for that is you you potentially lose your first three games if it means in the long run you build a better team um yeah by not having the signings done like i'm i'm willing to say if we can get top quality replacements in Mm. and we can sell our players and the cost of that means okay well it means that we didn't have a number 10 for this game and we are not going to have a number 10 for the next two games and we're having to play chambers at right back Mm -hmm. but a proper right back is coming which i don't think it is then it's okay. But I just think the the way we seem to go about it, this whole like Shaka situation, the way that happened, the goalkeeper situation where we're bidding 30 million for Ramsdale um, because Leno 
either we don't like Leno or Leno doesn't want to stay, maybe a bit of both. That's that's concerning. Um, and then there's a striker situation where we have two strikers who might be sick, might not be sick. <laughs> um, then we have, you know, whatever else is going on in our midfield. It's, there's a lot of work to do. And I think there are a lot of, I don't think we're going to get the right back situation done, mm-hmm. sorted, because there's, you know, we've got, what, four right backs now? Uh, yeah, technically we've got, yeah. Yeah, because we, we, had, we had a lot of them on the bench and we brought on Tavares instead. Yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very worried. Um, and what would really frustrate me is, you know, what, like, I think Ben White's a really good addition, but if signing Ben White has meant that we haven't been able to do more pressing business in our attack and we we just don't have the funds to sign someone like Odegaard or we don't have the funds to sign a potential striker or right back that would be really frustrating mm, yeah I agree I agree do you yeah, yeah I can I, hopefully that's not the case hope that's not the case but well, I guess we'll find Where, what, what do you think is if you're Edu now what is the number one position that you prioritise for getting in I think if you watch, if you watch the yeah, game, you would have obviously you would have obviously watched the game on Friday. I think it's got to be a creative player, number ten or has to be number ten. But yeah, a creative player, someone who's gonna just yeah, someone who's gonna link what we seem what seems to be a pretty static, not static. What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like a a pretty sideways midfield. I was really impressed with Lukonga on, on Friday. I re, you know, despite the fact that generally the performance of the team was pretty poor, he kind of stood out as someone who, you know, was happy to pick up the ball. He looked forward. He was passing between the lines and defensively he seemed mm. to be in the right place at the right time. You know, he, he was, he was good all around. Um, but he's probably not going to be the answer for, 38 league games but yeah I mean that's a separate point um, yeah I think to answer your question it has to be a, an attacking midfielder a number 10 it just has to be someone who's got creativity who's got the through ball in him who's got the vision who's yeah. willing to take a risk you know he's going to try kind of three or four of those through balls and one's going to come off and put a Bamiang in and put Lacazette in you know um, someone who's happy to pick up the ball in tight areas like we went from you know again it's kind of going off topic we went from a few years ago having uh, too many of these number eights, number tens, yeah, yeah. Ramsey, Kazola, Urzil, Rosicki, Wilshire, like loads I'm probably yeah. forgetting, right? Um, and if you go back before that, it was like players like Nazri, so many Arshavid. Mm. We've gone from having so many under Wenger to having basically none. Um, yeah. And now we just need one. We just need one. Hopefully that, that in, you know, that's what it looks like we need, but yeah. That has so to be if the we priority. did sign Erdegaard, yeah, which kind of looks like it's happening. Mm. I know you can, yeah, you can't assume anything, yeah. but especially with Arsenal. But would you be pretty happy if we just signed Erdegaard and that was it between now? I wouldn't be happy. No, I wouldn't be happy. I'd, I'd take enough? it. I'd take it in the sense. I'd take it as opposed to signing no one for the next two weeks or in the yeah, next yeah. two weeks. Um, it's probably not enough because what was our ambition? Like we talked about in the last episode, right? It was like. What have the club said to Arteta is the minimum expectation? I said top four, I think, and you guys said fifth, right? You and Raj said uh, fifth. fifth. Yeah. Is that going to be enough to get fifth? Based on this weekend as well, when you look at how well United played, when you look at how well Liverpool played, when you look at 
City are going to come back, right? They're going to be in the top two, probably, right? Uh, Chelsea look really good. Spurs look good today. Leicester, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not basing how the teams are going to finish on 90 minutes, but you know what I mean, right? All of the big boys seem to turn up except for City. What and like you guys said, finishing top four is going to be very, very tough because you're displacing mm. one of the, you know, one of the one of those big boys. But which shows how far we've fallen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so Erdegaard's not going to be enough to do that. Like, I don't think Erdegaard's going to be enough to. Do it. I know there's, I know there's players to come back into the first team injuries um, yeah, and yeah. illnesses and whatever the problem is with like the four that you named. Um, but I still don't think that would be enough for maybe not even top five. So. I, like I think it was Carragher, I think it was Carragher who said it post game on the right back situation um, in criticism of Callum Chambers. He basically, I don't know if you heard this. He basically said Callum Chambers is not a right back. He's a centre back. He's been converted to right back, and he's the kind of player that you have in your squad that basically what happened last season, where you bring him in in the middle of the season when you have an injury to your first choice right back, and he does a job for a few games. Yeah, he is not the yeah. player that you should be starting your season with as right back. And I completely agree. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree too. Yeah. So he's not, he's not, he's not. Uh, so is Maitland-Niles. So is Cedric. First choice right back. Um, yeah, I think Maitland-Niles. I'd probably say I would have preferred. I'd agree. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, they're both kind of squad players, right? All three of them. So Bellerin is probably the best out of that bunch, but he's obviously not in favour or he's looking for a move, whatever. So, Right back is another situation that just needs to be addressed really, really quickly. I think there's going to be a lot happening because I think the players that have got their eye, sorry, the teams that have got their eyes on players like Enketia, um, mm. uh, not Chambers, sorry, uh, Maitland Niles, um, who's the other guy? I mean, Jacques was one. Nelson. Nelson, yeah, like all these kind of fringe players. Um, I think we're going to be in a, left in a position where we're almost going to have to take whatever we can get for them. And I think it yep. might just end up being a bit of a flurry of activity. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll pull something out of the bag, but it's that question of, do we have the faith in Artessa to kind of deliver with the squad that he ends up with, uh, you know, on the 1st of September? Question, question I had for you, Aaron, was um, if we lose on Sunday, right? I don't know how many days that leaves in the window. Probably like a week, is it, roughly? Something like about, that. Yeah, I think we'll what, on Sunday. this time next week. So that's 20 seconds. So we'll have about just over okay, a week. Okay, so we have about a week. Do you think if we lose badly on Sunday, do you think the powers that be at the club um, look at the whole kind of managerial situation and say, and say to themselves, look, let's not give Arteta another... 30, 40 million to spend on an ad guard. Let's not give him another 10, 20 million to spend on a right back. Let's hold those funds back. See how he does with what we've got. If he doesn't turn this around, let's give him the chop, bring in, as Raj was saying, a Conte or you know whoever, and a guy who's done it and been there and whatever, been there and done it. Um, and then we give him the funds in January. Do you think, that, do you think that's a... No, I think the one good thing, I think, about our business so far is that we're... We're signing players that will ultimately get better. They're not short-term punts. Like, yeah. like we did two or three years ago when we signed Willian and to play in the, the next two seasons. That are, If you're a manager and you're coming in, let's say, if the worst happens, you're coming in in September or October, players like uh, Tierney, Lekonga, um, even Odegaard, even... Smith Rowe, Pepe, uh, Saka, they're, they're players that most managers can do things with. Mm. And they're players that you can still improve with the right coaching. 
and the right tactics. Um, players like Aubameyang, Lacazette um, might be more of a like, uh, what's it, a hit or miss with any coach. You know, a new coach might come in and say, "Actually, like I don't want someone like Aubameyang in my team. Um, I don't want someone like Lacazette in my team. I don't want someone like maybe Partey, for example. He might be more of a risk, a riskier signing because he's older." And someone says, actually, this type of midfielder is too, too slow. I want someone who runs. I don't know. Um, but I think with the, the younger players, we, we kind of, we're building a team regardless of the manager. Um, the, the issue is who we let go. For example, a new manager might come in and say, actually, I really fancy someone like Joe Willock. Um, and I can build my team around him, but we've sold him. Too late, um, yeah. Maybe someone like Maitland Niles, who say, actually, I could fancy, I fancy a utility tip person like him in my, in my team. Or, um, but I don't think there are that many of those players who are at risk of letting go. So this window, I think, if we sign young enough players, then I would expect any manager to come in and be able to work with them. Mm. Okay. At least that's how I hope the board think about it. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it's, Reading between the lines, reading what you know, Vinay and Edu have said, I don't think. I think it will take a lot to sack Arteta. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be, really- and I hope it doesn't get that bad. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, next couple of games could be quite painful for us, but hopefully he's able to turn it around, and hopefully he's he's able to, or they're able to get some of the targets that. I almost think the performances matter more than the results with the next five or six. Do they though, mate? Like, like, I mean, if go on. if we like, if we say we drew with Chelsea and we well, a draw against Chelsea is probably a good result, mate. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. So we yeah, get if we play absolutely terribly, but we sneak. A draw. But then we play really, really well against Norwich and Burnley, and somehow it all clicks. Then I think even if you know we lose to Spurs, you know, but even if we lose to Spurs with a a bit more of a free-flowing attack and it's just really unlucky the way we lose for some reason. Mm. I think people would forgive that. But if we throw out this same dull, dreary attack, which is quite monotone and quite boring and quite predictable, and even if we beat Norwich and Burnley, like I still think if we're not performing well and people aren't enjoying watching Arsenal, that is what will ultimately cost him. Let's see what happens, eh? Um, mm. So Raj says he thinks we'll win on Sunday, 2-1, I think he said. So 2-1? Yeah. Probably a bit of a drunk competition. You might change that tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah how do you think it's going to go then? Uh, and we're going as well, which is like, I'm, despite what happened on Friday, I'm absolutely buzzing for it. Like, I'm really, really... I'm looking really forward to going. Forward to but I'm looking, that's, again, I'm looking forward more to the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, know, I know what you mean. Than I am of seeing... We'll oh, probably, yeah, come, I don't know what time uh, kickoff is it far for, but come sort of yeah, seven yeah. o'clock, we'll probably be uh, down there right. a couple of beers in Horatia, quite depressed. But yeah, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to I, it despite that. Yeah, like, like you say, the experience. Yeah, I'm looking for, yeah, I'm looking forward to going. It'll be good to go back. I'm back to our old optimistic. seats as well. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, back, back in the North Bank. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to go for a 1 1 draw, optimistically. <laughs> I, that's what I want to happen. Yeah. Mm. But you can easily see Lukaku turning up. I was going to ask you, how do you and, think he's going to do and how do you think Ben White's going to fix? Obviously, he didn't have a great game. His debut wasn't great. No. Do you think... He, he looked really nervous, didn't he? To me, he did anyway. I, thought, I, just didn't, I didn't think he looked good. Um, 
But, do, he, but obviously, he is, a, he is a good player, right? As in, he is a good player, but do you not think it was just? You know, I did see that? a lot of criticism saying he was quite. He's generally not great in the air, which I didn't. I haven't seen him play much mm. previously when he was at Brighton, but um, he did lose. I think almost fifty percent of his duels yeah, with Tony, which for a centre back isn't good. Um, and yeah, Lukaku is like just generally quite good in the air, quite strong, and he's probably. No, well, he's not probably. He is a better striker and with the ball at his feet than someone like Tony is. Mm. So that is going to be a considerable problem. And the, the problem is that he's going to be paired with Marie, who also isn't looking very good at the moment. Gabriel's um, not back then, no? Definitely. Gabriel is still out till September, I think. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Partey's going to be out. The same four players are, are still going to be out. So I don't know how much better you can... You can is add Saka to the team. Aubameyang and Lacazette are confirmed as out. Is that is Well, that right? that's what the rumours were. Um, okay. which is why I think it was COVID but who knows yeah. um, so if those same four players are out oh, it's going to be tough yeah I can't, I can't see how unless we you know what I actually the more I think about it I think this team is more suited to playing a back three than it is than we are to playing a back four we could easily um yeah, Ben White is used to playing that right centre back in a three. We could play Maitland-Niles at right wing back, where he's played well. We could play Saka at left wing back, Tierney at left centre back. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And, I, and we did I it. Think, we did it a couple of years ago, whenever it was yeah. in, the, in the cup semi final, and then the final, right? Playing three at the time. So I think something like that might actually be the best way for us to succeed. But it, it will mean that Arteta has to ditch his. You know, I was going to say, can you, can you imagine if he goes back three on Sunday and then we lose? Like, it's almost like I'm trying every possible thing I can try and it's still... Do you remember, do you remember in the late days of Wenger mm. when um, <laughs> I remember this. Wenger switched to a back five? Yeah, yeah I remember. Uh, like the first time ever after like... I think it was against Swansea or something like it was that. It random. Um, and we were playing really badly and then maybe we won. I can't remember. But that was the first time in like 15 years oh. that he'd changed and it was desperation because he absolutely wanted to try something different and all the philosophies went out the window mm. but the you know the counterpoint is actually a lot of our players probably will be a bit more suited to that uh, but yeah I, I'm going to go 1-1 but equally I can see a 4-0 defeat as well yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean <sighs> well I'm going to go you predicted a loss right did you in the first game I predicted, predicted a draw Oh, okay. a draw. I just wasn't confident, so I kind of went for a draw because I didn't want to say I thought we'd lose, to be honest. But yeah. Um oh god, I don't really know. Um I think we have to agree with you. I think because I, I just I just don't know. I just don't know. Like we I kind of had this thing in the back of my head that we beat them twice last year. And I know it's a different team. Like once was a was under Lampard and they've obviously changed a lot since then, and the Lukaku factor and also we've not started well, so it, it's you know, I can't. You can't go back on on what happened last season, but at the same time, I feel like the Emirates factor, and I think the fans will will get behind the team, and I think that will spur the team on a little bit. So I think that could help us a lot. So, um, but they are, they are a very good team. We need to score first if we are going to have any chance in this game. Mm. We absolutely have to score first. Did you see that stat? Of yeah. Oh my god. Arteta's performances when we go down one, was it something? Was it fifty? Yeah, fifty. Games? We we haven't won a single game when we gone behind when we 
pretty much lose almost yeah, it was always. Like twelve losses, three draws, or something. Yeah. And now that's obviously added to that after the Brentford game. Yeah. yeah. So um, we have to score first. Yeah. I'm going to go a draw as well. Um, I'll take a nil-nil to be honest, but um, I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. So I'll probably go one-one or two-two. Let's say one-one. On one, obviously, you can tell that I have absolutely no confidence yeah. in that result happening. And um, look, mate, I, we were talking about this again on WhatsApp, so it'd be interesting to just quickly touch on it. So, the next six games, the ones we talked about, um, how many points do you think we're getting from that? I said ten to eleven points. I'm pretty optimistic that we'll, we'll win so the games that who, we should win. So, I'm saying basically, the next six. Oh, sorry. So, it's uh, obviously Chelsea at home, City away, Norwich yeah. at home, Burnley away, Spurs at home. Brighton away. So I've said 10 to 11. So I'm kind of thinking beat Norwich, beat Burnley, beat Brighton. So I'm kind of thinking we'll win the games that we should win mm-hmm. or possibly draw one of those games. But I feel like we might, even though I've just said a draw, we might beat Chelsea, we might beat Spurs. And I'm assuming we lose to Chelsea, uh, lose to City away. That's like 13 points. No, no. So I'm saying kind of 10 to 11. So okay. three wins and a draw, three wins and two. Right, anything less than 10 would be pretty much disaster, right? It would have meant we've lost three of those games, which would mean we'd probably lose to Chelsea, probably lose to City. I don't know. I, I, I think we'll beat Spurs, but I think we'll drop points to one of Brighton or Burnley. Mm, okay. Um, Burnley away is probably the more likely one. Yeah, it depends. But with this current squad, I'm not optimistic. Add one or two players in, it could just easily change. You look at... You know, one example I go back to is you look at what Bruno Fernandes has done to Man United. Um, and they were rubbish before he arrived. Like, um, well, not rubbish. They'd spent a lot of money, but they just weren't clicking as a team. Um, and he completely transformed them almost overnight, which... Um, so if we can find that one player to just make this whole thing click, yeah, we really could just transform ourselves. But I don't know who that player is. And even if we know who that player is, couldn't we afford him? And even if we can afford him, would he want to come, come to us? Mm. I mean, I'd caveat that. I know what you mean. I'd caveat that with they still got what, an £85 million, whatever he is, I'm probably wrong on that figure, you know, central midfielder. In terms of Paul Pogba, they've still got an 80-odd million pound centre-back in there. But, they've still got, you know, just, just quality everywhere. Not even just quality, they've, they've, they've spent a shitload. They've spent a shitload. But, and they've got yeah, but, but so have we. And we've got a no, 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 350k a week striker. Yeah, yeah. 75 million winger, 50 million pound centre-back, 50 million pound midfield. I agree, I agree, um, I agree. But we've got the pieces. I don't think our players are that bad. Um, but mate, more. Maguire probably walks into our central defence. Pogba walks into our team. Being honest, right? They, they those players yeah. do. So yeah, yeah. you know, it almost comes down to then we could have another hour long conversation about our transfer policy and you know who we're actually spending the money on. Like, but we, we haven't got time to do that now. But do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I I agree with you. Bruno Fernandez has kind of it's a spark. It's a spark for their team. Yeah. That's you know kind of taking them to the next level. And now they've gone on with Sancho with Varane. Um, and they're, they're building and, it, and it's, it's all good for them but I don't and it took them a long time to get it right they spent a lot of money had a lot of misses mm. um, and I guess they can afford to do know, it that's the, that's the yeah difference. they can afford to do it we can't and we're almost we're almost getting that same journey that Man United have gone on but we are our lows are a bit lower than they are mm. and our highs probably won't be as high yeah 
All right. All right. Nice depressing uh, note to end on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, we're obviously going on Sunday. So I guess if you're watching this and you, you follow us on socials, then um, keep an eye out because I'm sure we'll be active on that. Nero will be present. Indeed. Not present for the podcast, <laughs> but present for present for the matches. Um, Raj won't be. He's at a wedding. So, yeah, um, we'll abuse him for that later. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll see everyone post-Chelsea. Fingers crossed for a good result. Um, no, nice one, Aaron, and good chat. And uh, All right. Speak again soon.